You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message, recorded live from our Brighton campus. It's a great pleasure to be sharing with everyone tonight and sharing on my title, which is Guerrilla Christianity, um, which is about gorillas. No, um, not about gorillas at all. It's, well, we'll, we'll, get, in, we'll get into it anyway. Um, I was, I was thinking about what to, what to share and, and I had this phrase sort of rattling around in my head and I was like, oh, I don't know if I can make it fit anything or if it would make much sense or, or what, but then it kind of, I was kind of thinking on it and kind of like chewing over what, what I could share and, um, just really felt like, um, felt like I should share on this topic tonight really. So, um, we'll get into what I really mean by, guerrilla Christianity and what like a guerrilla fighter is and stuff like that. Bear in mind that I am a pacifist, so it's slightly odd of me to be using war themes in my top in my uh, sermon title, but hopefully it'll make some sense anyway as we as we get on. Um, so you may or may not know this, but one of the things that um, that we started here at Centre Church was um, just recently um, is the community chaplaincy. And I've been, um, for a few months, been a community chaplain now in this area and been going around and, and visiting some people. And I met some, met some people um, in just sometimes crazy situations and stuff like you just don't know like how to respond in those situations. And, and, and I, it's, it's taught me a few things and I'm learning a few things about um, about connection really and about how to um, how to connect with people how to just be with someone um, and just sort of feel with them if that makes any sense um, and I think sort of empathy really is is something that I'm that I'm learning a little bit um, not to say that I'm an expert so please don't test me on this <laughs> you know I might just tell you I'm not interested. No, I'll try. I'll try not to do that. What I'm what I'm learning is I've I've got to not say I'm not interested, even if I'm not. Anyway, the key word is connection. Um, and we're driven by connection, aren't we? We're we're people who want to be connected all the time. We're in the age of connectivity, um, as I think people have coined the phrase. You know, we've got smartphones and smart bigger smartphones that we call tablets which are just the same really but can't make calls um the internet everything you send email you can you can receive it within seconds um or hours if it's my email connection and it doesn't take it doesn't really work very fast but anyway no we're in this age of connectivity aren't we 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 can connect with one another really easily um and we we want to we're drawn to that connection whether that be with the things around us, with with one another, um, with God, um, but sometimes our desire for connection doesn't align with our ability to connect with each other. So sometimes we might want that connection, but we express it in ways that doesn't quite work, and you you your relationships break down, and friendships mess up, and someone says something that they don't really mean to say and someone tries to help but actually makes the situation worse and and all this sort of stuff and sometimes we're just not very good at connecting with each other even though we want to be um 
And so they've done all sorts of research, as you would, into this kind of thing, about what, do, what is it that fuels connection? What is it that, that, that joins people together and fuels it? Um, and how can we feel connected to each other and to the one who created us? And so they boiled it down and they, they concluded that connection was about feeling loved and that you belong. So feeling loved and that you belong and having empathy with someone fulfills those criteria. And this is, this is a quote from, um, I'm going to show a video in a little bit, and this is a quote from um, the woman who did the video called Brené Brown. Um, and she says, the people who have a strong sense of love and belonging are those who believe they are worthy of love and belonging. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? That connection and, and what fuels it and is all about feeling loved and feeling like you belong. And those who feel like they're loved and feel like they belong are those who believe that they're worthy of it. Those who believe that they have some, some worth and that they're worth being loved and that they're worth belonging. And it got me thinking, like, in my response to people, in the way that I am with people, how do I make them feel loved and feel like they belong? Am I fueling connection or am I driving away um, connection? Am I, am I causing people to be disconnected? <coughs> so another, another way of, of saying it is that you accept the level of love that you think you deserve. Have you ever heard that phrase before? You accept the level of love that you think you deserve. And what are we doing to make someone feel worthy of that. You know, maybe you find yourself in a situation where you don't feel worthy of love or belonging. And, you know, it's, it's true to say that <coughs> through Christ, we have connection, you know, God um, loves us and, and gives us grace and gives us mercy and, and joins us in relationship with him through Christ. Through Christ, God's made a way for us to belong. But what I've learned through the community chaplaincy, or I'm learning through the community chaplaincy, is that simply telling someone that, I know you don't feel loved, I know you don't feel worthy, um, but it's okay because Jesus has made a way for you, is not enough for people. It's not enough to just, just tell people that. We need to actually get involved and get our hands dirty. Because whilst it's fundamentally true that God thinks you're worthy because of Christ, that might not be good news that you feel like you can accept. Because you might not be in a place to feel like you can accept that good news. We need to be people who show it. Because the reality is, is people have not got a Jesus to come and show them what it's like. But they've got us. And we've got to be Jesus to these people. We need to show people that they're worthy of love and belonging. Through making ourselves vulnerable. Through connecting. Through building community, expressing love and responding with empathy. And so just to help us about like empathy and everything to do with that, I'm going to show um, a video. Yeah, did you get some of that? Like, empathy is feeling with people. 
Like that, there were a few things that pointed that stuck out to me. Another one was, it's a vulnerable choice because in order to connect with you, I have to connect with something in myself that knows the feeling. And rarely can a response make something better, but what makes something better is connection. Like all of those, th- those three things like really struck a chord with me uh, um, as I was as I was watching that video. So why don't you turn um, in your Bibles with me to um, Acts 8 and um, verses 26 to 39 that I'm going to read out from the world's smallest print Bible. So I'll give it a go. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited (laughs) Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a lamb before, its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they travelled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When he came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. I love that. There's some, some bits in that that we'll, that we'll come back to. Um, but I guess, I guess one thing in particular is just verses 34 and 35, it says that the eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. You see, Philip, Philip began where the eunuch was at. He started where he was. He didn't start with his own agenda. It says, it says that Philip, when he, Philip went up and um, waited by the chariot, um, he said, do you understand what you're reading? He didn't say, let me tell you about Jesus. He said, oh, have you heard about Jesus? Have you heard the good news about Jesus? Because that was Philip's agenda, was to tell him the good news about Jesus. He said, have you heard about the good news about Jesus? That's not what he said. He said, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy was like, well, no, not really. And he's like, 
tell me, tell me, is he talking about himself or someone else? And Philip started with that passage and went on to explain the good news about Jesus. He started where the eunuch was at. I've got some stuff about the Ethiopian and stuff, and, you know, we'll not go into that because I'll run out of time if I go into that. But Philip, Philip was an ordinary guy. Philip was a guy who was full of faith and full of the spirit, but just a regular guy. So they, when they were um, in Acts 6, they, they appointed people as deacons in the church. And basically, the job in Acts 6 as a deacon was basically to run the soup kitchen. That was essentially what it was. It's to feed the widows and to organize the distribution of food. So they looked for people who were like spiritual people and had, were full of faith and full of the spirit. Um, but their job was to, to distribute food. It certainly wasn't to go and find some guy and tell him all about Jesus. That was not his, that was not his main task. He's just a regular guy. And, you know, sometimes I think that we, we are given opportunities which make us feel out of our depth. I wonder if Philip felt a little bit out of his depth in the fact that he's he's just supposed to be, you know, helping. You know, he's 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 done his he's done his training in the sense he's full of faith, he's filled with the spirit, he's a spiritual guy, but he's alright to just be on the in the background. He's alright to just be that person who, you know, greets someone at the door or helps out in the kitchen, you know, and he, he he's he's believes in God and he has a faith. He has great faith, but he doesn't want to be the person up at the front. And when I was talking about guerrilla Christianity, when I got that phrase, that's the kind of guy that I'm talking about. It's the kind of person who is an everyday person. Not someone who's organized, not someone who um, might be organized, that's not what I mean. Not someone who, um, who is like the professional in that sense. Um, they, the definition when they define what a guerrilla soldier is, is, so, is someone who, um, they're irregular soldiers. They use what's around them. They use the lay of the land. They use the things that they've got. And they're always attentive and they're always ready. But they're not always having to fight. They just, when, when they need it, they, they go in. And they, um, they make a way for for the big army to come in with all its organization and all its structure and everything um, all in place. And so Philip, in that sense, I think was was like a guerrilla soldier. He used what was in his hands. He used the environment of things available to him. He connected with the Ethiopian eunuch on a spiritual level and on a physical level. He started by asking questions. He didn't start by telling him, this. well, this is how it is. This is how you're supposed to go about it. This is how you're supposed to find out about it. It started with a question. Do you understand what you're reading? Not with his own agenda. And the agenda, if you read, was set by the eunuch. He said, well, this is, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I don't, I don't quite get. And Philip was like, well, let me, let me tell you about that. Let's chat about it. See, I think these things are important for us. That, that we're not starting to, by putting up barriers, putting structures and things in place, you know. Um, 
we meet someone, we find a friend or, or whatever, and we're like, right, we need to find some sort of structured event that they can come to once a month, and then we can tell them about Jesus when they're here in this building once a month, and that's how they're going to find out about Jesus. Like, that's not what Philip was concerned about. He started where the person was at. And declaring the good news about Jesus, I think it starts with empathy. And I think it starts with meeting people's needs in terms of love and connection. And it starts with listening. You know, that question, do you understand what you're reading, is a listening question. It's like, tell me what your issues. Tell me, like, what's going on. Like, give, give me something and we can work with that and we can move on with that. See, we feel with people, we make ourselves vulnerable, and I think that's where it all starts. See, I wonder whether Philip meant actually learn a thing or two from his time with the widows, sharing, sharing with them like food and, and caring for them and, and, and just listening to them and learning from them and going, actually, there, there's something in this. There's something in this, this connection that we're having. And my job as being the one who's here to provide for them gives me a unique opportunity to, to speak into their lives. That actually the, the big, you know, famous apostles don't have that opportunity in the same way that, that someone like Philip does. To just go and sit with someone and chat with someone and go, let me, let me tell you what I th- about my relationship with Jesus. Let me tell you how it's going for me. And that's, that's a vulnerable place. Because when you're one-on-one, when I'm up here, there's no, like, none of you guys are shouting questions at me, but what about this, or what about that, or what about the other? Because it's, it's an awkward time, isn't it, in a big group to shout out a question. But if I'm sat having coffee with someone, <coughs> and we're, we're, we're in each other's lives, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a vulnerable place. Because we start sharing with each other, and we start saying things that we wouldn't say in a big group, but we'd say in a small group. And we start letting each other in. And I think that's where where it starts, really. You know, I mentioned about this this idea of of guerrilla warfare and uh, guerrilla Christianity. And I think the story of Philip helps me sort of, like, exemplify it a little bit. And as I say, I do use it with caution, the terminology, um, because I don't... as I say, I'm a pacifist, so it's a bit weird for me to use that term. Um, but I think it makes sense of how we can love each other and express the kingdom of God, whoever we are and wherever we are, in whatever situation <coughs> we are. We're like the, as, as guerrilla Christians, we're like the, um, the irregular soldiers of the kingdom of God. If that makes sense. We're the people on the ground. We're the people who live in the area that we live in. We might be the only Christian on our street. We might be the only person that that whoever we meet that day bumps into who actually is carrying something of the Spirit of God with them. But we need to be aware that we're carrying it. Because what what we I wanted to use the phrase we're packing heat, but I think that's a little bit <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bit like uh, that's all right, is it? Yeah. Um, but we're carrying the spirit of God. We're not the so-called professionals, but we're the irregular fighters who use the tools that we've got 
in our possession. We use where people are at. We, our, our aim is to disrupt the enemy and win back land for the kingdom, but not on a mass scale thing. It's like one person at a time. And we call to declare the kingdom of God is at hand, but we call to do it in less of an organized sense and more of a sporadic, everyday sense. Just living the kingdom of God in the way that we are with each other. Just carrying the spirit of God in the way that we are. Being aware, I think, I think that's one thing, is to be aware of, of what's actually going on. And there's some other examples that I've got, which I'll go into slightly, but not a lot. My time's fast running out. Um, in Acts 17, Paul is, you don't need to turn to it, um, Paul is in Athens and he is travelling, sort of walking around Athens and he sees all these, all these statues to different gods. You may have come across this story um, before and he sees this one statue to the unknown god and, uh, and he gets up and he's like, I see that you're very religious. Starts starts well. It's like complimenting them. It's always a good start, isn't it? Um, but I see that you have this one statue to the unknown God. Let me tell you about the unknown God. I think that's what guerrilla Christianity is. It's saying, this is where you are. This is where you guys are. Let me start with that. Let me tell you about this thing and how it works. Because I know the unknown God. I can tell you about it. That sort of thing. Or, again, Luke 10, verses 1 to 20 is is about when, um, and this is a really cool passage that if you want to read at some point, go for it, um, where Jesus sends out 72 um, disciples in pairs, and he tells them to not take supplies, he tells them to find people of peace, and he says, stay with them, eat with them, drink with them, heal the sick, and declare the kingdom of God. Easy, right? And But when they come back later in the passage, they say to Jesus, even the demons submitted to us because of your authority. See, I think that what Jesus was doing there was commissioning guerrilla Christianity. He's saying, he didn't say, right, there's 72 of you, right, we're going to pair you off. What's half of 72? 36, 36, I knew that. Um, we're going to pay you off, right? We're going to send you out into different 36 towns. You're going to plant 36 mega churches, right? 36 huge churches, and you're going to stay there. You're going to put on a great show every Sunday. It's going to be lights and smoke, probably incense, incense and candles because it's first century. So, you know, we'll make it attractive. We'll build this huge building and put on a great show. And everyone's going to come to it and everyone's going to learn about me um, and it's going to be amazing and come back and tell me how you did in six months. He told people to make human connections, actually. He did the opposite of that. He said, go and find people of peace. Basically said, go and make some friends. Go out in pairs and make some friends. Because that's how the gospel spreads. So the good news about Jesus spreads. It's an underground movement. It's a it's a guerrilla movement. It's interesting that when there is um, oppression or persecution, the church tends to grow in those times because it's an underground thing. It's like, oh, we're not really supposed to be doing this, but oh, I'm just going to heal you anyway. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, or you know, 
those kinds of things. It's like, I shouldn't really be praying um, for you to be filled with the Spirit, but it's amazing, so I'm just going to do it anyway. And that's, that's, the church grows like that. It does. You know, go and make some friends. Display the power of God to those friends. It's quite simple, really. It's, that's, that is what, what we're called to do, wherever we are, whatever locality we're in. It doesn't matter if we live five minutes away or the other side of town or different town or, or whatever. You know, where we are is, is where, we, where we're called to. And it's going to look different for everyone. But the important thing is that we go and do. Right at the start of that passage that I mentioned in Luke is the passage that says the fields are white to harvest, but the labourers are few. Then the next word is go, I'm sending you. You know, so often we forget the word go, I'm, go, I'm sending you. We just go, oh, God, send workers. <laughs> like, go, I'm sending you. Like, what is it? Lambs amongst wolves. I'm like, great. What it requires, though, is availability. That's the one thing. Think, I was thinking about it. I was like, what do we need to be able to do this? And the only thing I could think of, so if you have something better, then go for it. Tell me later. But the only thing I could think of was availability. Because the guerrilla fighter is always there. They're always aware. Never have a day off where they just switch off. It's like, right, I'm a guerrilla fighter between 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. But Saturday, I've got football in the afternoon, and then I'm going for a date with my girlfriend later that day. So if there's any fighting on Saturday, I can't do it. Because there's a war on, right? Like, they're aware because there's a war on. You know, and we, we kind of need to be aware. They, they might not be required for months at a time. They might go without finding anything that they need to, to do. But they need to be aware. We need to be conscious that there's something to do at a moment's notice. And it's the same for guerrilla Christians. We go about our daily business carrying the Spirit of God with us wherever we go. But when was the last time that we put our faith into action when it was called upon? When, when did, we, did we walk past the situation, unaware even that, that God was speaking to us and telling us to do something? Have you ever got home and gone, oh, rubbish, I should have talked to that person? And thought about afterwards, like, oh, there was, oh, I could have said this, or I could have done that, or I could have... And then the moment's gone and it's, it's too late. How often are we actually aware that we're walking around? When we're walking around, we're carrying the Spirit of God with us. How often do we wake up in the morning and say, God put me in situations where you can use me today? You know, in, in our relationships with our friendships, when, you know, I thought of a couple of silly examples, but when we encounter the checkout girl and she doesn't give us the right change and we kick up a fuss about it, you know, what what should our response be in, the, in a situation like that? Or what, what's our attitude when the bus driver forgets you stop and it's pouring down with rain and you have to get off the next stop and walk back? Or someone cuts you up. That one's mine. But... Um, <laughs> you know, what, what should our reaction be in, in those situations? Because we are people who are carrying the Spirit of God. Are we remembering that? Are we, are we thinking on that? And so, you know, I've, I've come, to, come to the end.
thought I had another page then. Don't be worried. Right. Now, I've come pretty much to the end of what I want, want to share. And just want to say, let us, let us now, let us allow ourselves to call forth the kingdom of God in all things. Can we be aware, be active and be available? Because you probably heard this phrase a million times, but God's not looking to your ability. He's only looking to your availability. Uh, one phrase that was a favourite of, um, of some of the lecturers at my Bible college was, um, I'll probably get this wrong now, so I don't know why I said that. But um, no, that God, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. You know, And we're called into situations, and we're called to do things, but we, we're carrying the Spirit of God with us. So we can be sure that he's that he's going to come through for us when we're in that situation. I think one um, one example that I that I can think of is um, is I was chatting I was chatting to a guy and um, this guy was a Christian, but he um, he was asking me about being filled with the Spirit. He's like, I I don't really know about it. My church don't really teach on it and. I don't really, don't really know. Am I supposed to do it? Am I not? And so we're chatting about it, and and we're having um, we're having like a pub a pub meal, and uh, and so he says he says, can you pray for me to be filled with the spirit? And I'm thinking, what in a pub? And uh, and he said, no, like um, when we get back home. But still, all the way home, I was like, oh, maybe he'll forget. Maybe I don't have to do it because I was like. What if, what if, like, what if nothing happens? I'm like really worried and like thinking, oh, maybe the, maybe the people that we're staying with, because we were both staying at someone's house, like maybe they'll be home and they'll have like a party round and it'll be, it won't really be appropriate or anything. So get home and no one's in, obviously. So, um, so he's like, right, can, can you pray for me? I was like thinking, no. <laughs> to be honest, I was like, no, can't. I don't know what to do. I was like totally in a situation that I was like, right, God, I need your help. I need your spirit to help me because I've not got, I cannot do this. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm like, I don't even know what to pray. Is there special words that I'm supposed to say? Is there like a, a formula of how, how it works? How does it work? I don't know. And so, so I prayed for him and we prayed, we prayed for a while. And uh, my hand got sweaty, and <laughs> and after you know five ten minutes, um, he started singing in tongues and started speaking in tongues, and and um, and I had a word for him, and it and it was really very um, accurate to to where he was and the situation he was in. He was like people who said that over me, like for you're like the fifth person to say that to me. Um, I was like, well, God's probably saying something to you, isn't he, about that? And um, but for me, that was a that was a real reminder that I carry the Spirit wherever I go. I don't have to be in a church meeting to like hands in the air, music's going, the nice background music's on, and everything's everything's just as it should be and, and structured and organised. Like we were just sat in a pub, and he's like, "Will you pray for me?" You know. We carry the Spirit wherever we go.
and it's the same in these situations. We're, we're the irregular underground fighters for the kingdom of God. That's what we've got to realise. That's what we've got to be aware of and active and, and, and put into practice. So let us, let us do that. Let us be available. Let us be active. Let us be aware. Um, and, yeah. Tom, do you want to come up? I feel like... Can I pray for us? Can I close in prayer? And we'll, we'll just um, we'll sing a song. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.